Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Have you ever walked along the foreshore here along Jetty at sunset in winter? It's just like one of the most incredible things. Or have you walked down Blue Bay, down the steps on like mid-summer's day and the water is like turquoise and sparkling and you're just like, it doesn't get any better than this. You know, there are some incredible places. Like we live in an insane place and um, it's almost Eden-like. It's beautiful until it floods, which happens very regularly. If you live around here, you know. And um, the flood will come and it will go into people's homes and it will mess up all sorts of stuff. And then eventually the flood recedes and there needs to be sort of a restoration process that goes on. Um, there's, you know, people cleaning up their houses and their garages. Last time it flooded, one of the jetties was like completely destroyed. And so they were taking apart the jetty and Mel and I were asking the question, are they going to restore the jetty to like exactly how it was or are they going to make it better so that it lasts the next time? And um, any sort of restoration process, you sort of always ask, like, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? What's their kind of policy around this? Are they just going to restore it to what was, or are they going to make it better? And um, we've been working through Luke chapter, Luke, Luke as a, uh, the whole book as a church for the last couple of years. We're up to Luke chapter 13. We're starting a new little series. And we're asking the question, you know, when the restoration happens, when Jesus brings his kingdom, his government, his policies, what sort of kingdom will it be like? What sort of kingdom is, is he bringing? What sort of restoration is he bringing? What sort of government policy is he going to put in place when he brings the new heaven and the new earth? And this is, um, Luke chapter 13 is really answering that question. What does the kingdom look like? Jesus talks about the kingdom more than anything else. And so it's really important to think about if like this is the central theme of Jesus' teaching and his life is the kingdom, that he is the king, there is a new kingdom coming, heaven to earth, what does it actually look like? I'm going to start here in verse 1 of Luke chapter 13. So about this time, Jesus was informed that Pilate had murdered some people from Galilee as they were offering sacrifices at the temple. So Jesus is teaching, some people come up and present him with the latest news, that Pilate, who was a governor, had killed people in the temple. Galileans, um, who were from Galilee, up north, they traveled down, there's only one temple, they traveled down to Jerusalem, which you would do as a Jew, you'd go to offer sacrifices at the temple. Every city had their own little synagogue, like their own little church, but you couldn't bring sacrifices there, you had to go to the temple. Or if you're going to festivals, you would go to Jerusalem. Everyone would travel, like this pilgrimage, all the way down to Jerusalem. And this news comes, pretty hectic news, that Pilate, who was the governor, mixed the blood of some pilgrims with the, the sacrifices they were sacrificing on the altar. Very gruesome image. Um, and really interesting because um, it so happened that Jesus was from Galilee. This is where he, he grew up. This is where the first part of his ministry was. And Jesus was also on his way to Jerusalem as a pilgrim. And these chapters that we're reading now from 9 to 19, they're all stories of Jesus on, the, on his way, on his pilgrimage towards Jerusalem. And we know the story ends that Jesus' fate is the same as these Galileans. They're, he's going to end up as a sacrifice on the altar as well. Um, 
And so it, it goes on. This is Jesus' response to this kind of headline news. He says this, Do you think those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other people from Galilee? So it's likely... When you talk about Galileans, there was a guy a little earlier, his name was Judas from Galilee, and he was like leading a revolt against Rome. And so this is probably Pilate, you know, cleaning up some, some loose ends of that kind of revolt. Um, but Jesus says, do, do you think they were worse sinners? That they were worse sinners than everyone else in Galilee? Is that why they suffered? He says, not at all. And you will perish too unless you repent of your sins and turn to God. It was really common in this day to think that suffering came from a judgment of God. You did something wrong. And so if something happened to you, if you got sacrificed on an altar, it was because you did something wrong. Um, but his response to that is really interesting and it sort of doesn't seem like it connects. He says, unless you repent, you'll perish too. Do you think the Galileans were worse sinners than everyone else in Galilee? Is that why they're suffering for their sins? He says, well, unless you, repent or per- unless you repent, you will perish as well. And when we're asking what sort of kingdom is this, this almost sounds like a threat, right? This is Jesus saying, like, unless you get yourself in line, you're going you're gonna to end up on the altar as well. This is anything but a threat. This is an invitation. We often read that as like, turn or burn. That repent is like a, a, a naughty word in our culture, and it has some connotations, right? But it really means re- rethink, return, and you will find life. You won't perish, you'll find life. It's an invitation to turn to Jesus, not a threat. He goes on, he says this, and what about the 18 people who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them? Well, they were sinners in Jerusalem. So this is another sort of uh, recent news story. A tower fell over in Jerusalem, killed 18 people. And he's like, do you think they were bad sinners in Jerusalem? Were the Galileans bad sinners in Galilee? Is that why they were, they were killed? Like, is, that, is it punishment for their sin? He says the same thing again. No, I tell you again, unless you repent, you will perish too. Not a threat, but an invitation. I'll show you why. And then he answers these like rhetorical questions that he's, that he's got. So some people come with the headline news, latest event, some people killed. He asks some questions and then he tells this little parable. Then Jesus told this story. And we're going to read this and it feels like it does not connect at all. So, so don't, don't worry if you're like, what's going on here? A man planted a fig tree in his garden and came again and again to see if there was any fruit on it. But he was always disappointed. Finally, he said to his gardener, I've waited three years. There hasn't been a single fig. Cut it down. It's just taking up space in the garden. The gardener answered, Sir, give it one more chance. Leave it another year and I'll give it special attention and plenty of fertilizer. If we get figs next year, fine. If not, then you can cut it down. So a fig tree, very common in Israel, and apparently within three years it should be, you should be getting figs, right? So there's something wrong with this fig tree. It's sterile. It's not producing any fruit. It's barren. Now, anytime you read in scriptures anything to do with trees, fruit, anything, 
Good chance this is the biblical authors trying to call you back to the first pages of the Bible where you find the Garden of Eden, where God creates a garden that is meant to be fruitful and it's meant to multiply. That is the kind of command given to humans to kind of take care, tend to the garden and be fruitful and multiply. And so Jesus' response to these questions around like these other people who died and what's going on, is it for their sinfulness? He says, unless you turn, you'll perish as well. What's going on? Jesus tells a story about a garden. And he's not talking about trees here. He's talking about people. He's talking about people are meant to bear fruit with their life. And so he's, he's saying, did those people die because they weren't fruitful? Because they weren't fulfilling the kind of command, original command in Eden? Is that why they were died? Is that why bad things happened to them? And he says, he says this story of the gardener, which says, the gardener says, let's just wait, let's wait it out, and we'll see if this tree begins to bear fruit. Are all those horrific deaths punishment for not being fruitful? According to Jesus, he says, no. Your salvation, like whether you live or not, is not dependent on your fruitfulness, what you do. He says, repent or, or perish. Turn to me. Let's just give this tree another year and see what goes on. I'm reminded of John 15, verse 5. It says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Unless you remain in me, unless you remain connected with me, you will not bear fruit. This is, this is Jesus' kind of thesis around human flourishing. Unless you remain connected to him, connected to Jesus, the source of our faith, then you won't bear fruit. Jesus is saying that there is possibility, even if you have been sterile, even if you have not been bearing fruit, that you will bear fruit in the future. That your past does not determine your future in terms of your fruitfulness. And this story is an invitation again by Jesus. Repent and you will not perish. Or in other words, come and find life in me. Come and find connection to me. Jesus saves first and then fruit comes second. We are the sterile tree that Jesus says, no, don't cut it down yet. Give it more time. That is salvation, that Jesus has saved us, saved us from being cut down because there is fruitfulness to come from our life. And so when it comes to asking the question, what sort of kingdom is this that Jesus is bringing? Is it one of threat, you know, turn or burn? No, it's one of fruitfulness. It's a kingdom of fruitfulness. And we don't love, joy, peace our way into the kingdom. When we find ourselves in the kingdom, love, joy, peace comes out of that. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not us getting our way into being saved. The the fig tree didn't produce fruit and then the gardener's like, oh, we don't have to cut it down. No, the gardener's like, no, let's save it and then it will bear fruit. Let's give it fertilizer. Let's give it the right environment. The kingdom of God is the right environment for us as human beings to bear fruit. Tyler Staten says this, fruitfulness is the collateral damage of intimacy. This is kind of the John 15 principle. Remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Fruitfulness is the collateral damage of intimacy to God. I love sunflowers. Any sunflower fans out there? Yep, yep, yep. One, three, four, five nods. Good. Um, sun, the thing I like about sunflowers, I think it's super cool, is that they like follow the sun, right? You know, that's like they get up in the morning and they just follow the sun all day. And I assume overnight, I've never seen this, but I assume they go back to that spot. But, you know, follow the sun. 
And the sunflower isn't a... The sun isn't a reward for being... Try searching in the Apple Watch app on your phone. Cool. The sun isn't a reward for the sunflower being a sunflower. The sunflower is a result of the sun, right? We sort of understand that's how, like, the photosynthesis and all that stuff works. And the sunflower just knows, like, where the good stuff comes from. It knows where all the stuff it needs is coming from, which is the sun. It just follows the sun. That's what it does. Follows the sun. That's where my life is. That's where the good stuff is. And this whole story of Jesus is is like that, that we like, we follow the sun, we follow where the good stuff is, and that is where we get our life and our fruitfulness and our, uh, and, and the good stuff in life. You know, whether you have been sterile for three months, you feel like you've been dry, or for six months, or for six years, or for 60 years, the invitation is the same for all of us. Come back to me, repent, and you will not perish. Come and find life in me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the living water. We find our life and our presence in Jesus. Follow the sun. Follow the sun. Apart from the sun, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Repent or perish. What sort of kingdom is this? What sort of kingdom is this Jesus bringing? What sort of policies is he implementing? It's a kingdom that brings fruitfulness where there is sterility. Fruitfulness where there is barrenness. Beauty where there are ashes. That's the sort of kingdom that our king brings. Jesus, I thank you so much that you are a good king. I thank you that your kingdom is where we find life. Where we're tempted to point to the things that go wrong in our life as punishment for doing something wrong, for not being good enough, for not approaching, you know, not having the right stuff to approach life with. Our temptation to see sickness or pain as a lack of faith. Thank you that your reminder again is that we don't fruit our way into the kingdom. We don't work our way into the kingdom. It's the gardener's grace to save us and putting us in the right environment that brings fruitfulness. And so as your people this morning, we want to we turn back to you. We want to come back to you. We want to find ourselves back in your kingdom, in your government. And so, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you would fill us with your fruit. Not something that we try to muster up. Not something we do in our own strength but something that happens when we find ourselves in the right environment of the kingdom. And so we ask that you would fill us, Holy Spirit, with your fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We know that there is no law against these things. 
So I pray for those of us this morning that are feeling sterile, that are feeling barren, that are feeling dry. Thank you for your invitation again to come back to you. Living water, bread of life, the sun. May we never be a people that try and walk out fruit on our own. But may we be people connected to your vine, remaining 